We are continuing our journey through the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're going to start into a new section. It's chapter 14 through 20, and I thought a cool way to introduce this next chunk of scripture would be to show you guys a video that kind of walks through some of the content, some of the flow, some of the things that you guys can expect. Okay, so uh, take a look at this video. It's just three minutes long, and it's from the Bible Project. So here goes. The Gospel according to Matthew. In the first video, we saw how Matthew introduced Jesus as the Messiah from the line of David and as a new authoritative teacher like Moses, and also as Emmanuel, which in Hebrew means God with us. After Jesus announced and taught about the arrival of God's kingdom, and after he brought the kingdom into day-to-day -day life among the people of Israel, we saw that Jesus was accepted by many, but rejected by others, especially Israel's religious leaders, the Pharisees. And so the big question is, how is this conflict between Jesus and Israel's leaders going to play itself out? The next large section, chapters 14 through 20, explore all the different expectations people have about the Messiah. So Jesus keeps healing sick people, and twice he even miraculously provides food for these huge crowds in the desert. One is made up of Jewish people, and the other is a non-Jewish crowd. And this sign is very similar to what Moses did for Israel in the wilderness. And so all these people are excited about Jesus. They think he's the great prophet and the Messiah, but not the religious leaders. Their view of the Messiah is built on passages like Psalm 2 or Daniel chapter 2 about a victorious Messiah who's going to deliver Israel and defeat the pagan oppressors. And from their point of view, Jesus, he's a false teacher. He's making blasphemous claims about himself. And so there are stories here about them increasing their opposition, hatching a plan to kill him. And so in response, Jesus, he withdraws. And he begins teaching his closest disciples what it means for him to be Israel's Messiah because it is not what anybody expects. So Jesus asks his disciples, chapter 16, he says, who do you all say that I am? And Peter comes up with the right answer, it seems. He says, well, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. But then it becomes clear that Peter's thinking about a king who's going to reign victoriously through military power. And Jesus challenges Peter, saying that, yes, I am going to become king, but through a different way. And so Jesus starts to teach on themes from the prophet Isaiah, who said that the messianic king would suffer and die for the sins of his own people. And so Jesus, he was positioning himself as a messianic king who reigns by becoming a servant and who would lay down his life for Israel and the nations. Well, Peter and the disciples, they mostly just don't get it. And so Jesus enters into the fourth block of teaching, followed by a series of teachings after that. And these are all about the upside-down nature of Jesus' messianic kingdom, which turns upside down all of our value systems. So in the community of the servant king, you gain honor by serving others. And instead of getting revenge, you forgive and do good to your enemies. And in Jesus' kingdom, you gain true wealth by giving your wealth away to the poor. To follow the servant Messiah, you must become a servant yourself. Um, I hope that was helpful. Was that helpful? Maybe you kind of watched that and you're like, doesn't that kind of make you want to read all of it? And I, that was really the hopeful effect. So um, that's a bit of an introduction. You know, um, 
I really feel like this is a word that God has for us this morning and uh, for a lot of people here. So we really want to talk about chapter 14, the last story in chapter 14. In 2017, I can't say every time, but for a lot of hard times that personally I went through in 2017, I found myself thinking back on some of the imagery of chapter 14. I, I, I would say that I carried some of this imagery with me throughout the whole year, and because I did that, actually, this chapter and this story kind of carried me through 2017. But it's not just a passage that offers comfort. It's really a visionary passage. And that's why New Year, it's all good. Let's jump right in. All right, this is uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. All right, I'm going to ask two really obvious questions, and I want you to provide the really obvious answers, okay? Can you guys do that for me? All right, so the disciples were told to get into the boat. Who told them to get into the boat? Oh, very good, okay. All right, now let's go to the second question, okay? After Jesus told them to get into the boat, someone told them to go to the other side, and the person who told them to go to the other side was... Thank you, one person over there. So the disciples are in the boat because Jesus told them to get in the boat. They're rowing to the other side because Jesus told them to row to the other side. So you could say they're on a God-given mission. And it's while they're on this God-given mission that they meet resistance. The boat gets keep beaten by the waves, and the wind is howling against them, and it seems like these cosmic forces are standing against them. The text says that Jesus came to them during the fourth watch of the night, that is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., which means that the disciples were long overdue. They were straining at the oars, and they weren't really getting anywhere. Now, here's a good time for me to stop and make a point, and the point is simply this. I think a lot of us when we feel like we're generally living the kind of life that God wants us to live and doing the kind of thing that God wants us to do, I don't know why, but a lot of us kind of assume things will go smoothly. Ah, that is not the case here. That is just not the case. Many times it is not the case. You guys... When we follow God, it's almost like we should expect resistance and opposition. We should expect it. A, a good friend of mine likes to say, Jesus never promised me a rose garden. She likes to say that. The Apostle Paul would say, and he would describe his life as a fight, and he would say, I'm fighting the good fight. That's how he would see his life, of following God. It was a fight. It was a grind. Now, I don't know 
if this is like the most encouraging word for 2018, but maybe it's the most loving word I can give you guys. You guys, in 2018, expect a fight. You're going to a fight. Expect to grind. Expect resistance. But, but know that help is coming. And that's definitely right here in the text. Verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, I've read this text a lot of times, and at some point, I've developed this sense of, like, I'll read it, and then internally my eyes will roll. I'm like, really? Come on, a ghost, really? Guys, really? Right? But I thought about this a little bit more, and I think we can kind of understand where they're coming from, right? I mean, you're straining at the oars all night long. You have physical fatigue, mental fatigue. It's pitch dark, maybe moonlit glow. And then you're looking out on the horizon. It's like, you know, that looks like. And then it comes closer, and it's, it's scary. And so one of them yells out, it's a ghost, right? And, and, you know, one person says it. They all believe it. And suddenly it's like the first fake news. Jesus calls out, take heart. It's I. It's me. Don't be afraid. Now, I just want to establish right there, Jesus is saying he's establishing his identity. It's me. It's me. Now, I feel like at every movement of the text, there's something to be said. But I want to make much of Peter's response. I think I love, I love Peter's response. I think what, how Peter responds at this moment truly makes him special. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I, I, I love this response, and I, I love this response because I think Peter is, is challenging a lot of people in how they see God's will. Because I think a lot of times when we look at God's will, I think a lot of times we kind of take it in or we see it in a very passive way. Um, it's kind of like we're willing to do what God calls us to do. I mean, who here wouldn't? I think everyone's like, yeah, 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 I'm willing to do what it is that God's calling me to do. But then we kind of go, but if he makes it exceptionally clear to me that that's what he wants me to do. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, you know? Like, there are these movements, there's these commands in Scripture, and we're like, yeah, we know, generally speaking, we should do these things. And I will do it if God makes it very clear to me by the special revelation of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's something like that, right? And so this is what we do. We kind of we approach life, but we play it safe, and we kind of hold back. It's like, I know God wants me to do this. I should probably share Jesus over here. I know I have this broken relationship. It needs healing. And I'll work on it and do it if the Holy Spirit specially prompts me. And here's the thing. A lot of times the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily especially prompt you. And so you kind of just go through life holding back, holding back, playing it safe, holding back, playing it safe. And then our lives are just one big holding back and playing it safe. And at some point, we need to say, guys, is that the kind of life that we want to live? 
Now, what's the cost of always holding back and playing it safe unless God zaps you or prompts you in a special way and then you go do it? Well, I think the cost is that you're probably just going to be sitting in the boat, you know? Or how about the cost is that you guys will just never walk on water. That's the cost. Now, uh, what Peter does in this moment, I think, just... I just love um, what he does, but, but it's not in what he says. Although, I, I love what he says. And it's not necessarily in what he does, like taking the first step out of the boat. No, 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 no. no. Peter is beautiful in this moment because of the connections that he's making. He's making some intuitive leaps. I would call them even maybe like crazy intuitive leaps. Now, let me, uh, let me try to demonstrate, Okay. We have 12 of us in the boat, and we're all looking at the same um, person, you know. It's Jesus. And he's, like, walking on the water. Like, 12 of us are looking at Jesus. He's, He's walking on the water. It's scary. It's incredible. I mean, I can't really explain how he's doing that. He's defying gravity. He's defying physics. He's walking on water, and I don't have a natural explanation. It's crazy. Awesome. And all of us are seeing this. The only difference is that 11 are just kind of sitting in the boat and just being like, oh, wow. But, but one has the audacity to make some connections. And the connection that he is making is simply that he is applying the identity of Jesus to the possibility of this present moment. Do you see that? He's applying the identity of Jesus to this possible moment. Jesus Christ is walking on water. He can do the impossible. One person, Levin, don't, one person goes, wow, what does that mean for right here and right now and the possibility of this moment? And then he makes the connection. Jesus, if you can do that, if you call me to do that, I can do that too. And what does Jesus say? No, 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 no. Just stay in the boat and be quiet, Peter. No. What does he say? One word. Come. What does that mean? I'm encouraging this kind of thinking. Absolutely. You made that intuitive leap, you make that intuitive leap. You are right there. That's how you should think. That's it. What does the identity of Jesus mean for this possible moment? You see how this is visionary? Oh, my goodness. What would happen if you lived every day like that? Okay, the identity of Jesus, see what he can do. What does that mean for the possibility of today? What does that mean for the possibility of 2018? Well, what would 2018 look like if we did that, if we thought that way? All right, let me I'll give you another example. Uh, last year, for the first time, we had an entire series on global missions. Now, I have to be careful when I say it for the first time. I mean, for the first time that that I've been here, <laughs> okay? Um, actually, I've been here a long time. And uh, during that series, we shared a goal. We shared a few goals. But one of the goals is that our community would at some point send out a career missionary. Missionary. 
Now, I want you guys to consider that at this point in time, there are over one billion people who have never heard the gospel, and to our knowledge, they are headed for an eternity without God, and that is sheer agony. And so we want to be people who are so passionate about extending God's glory to the nations that we can't help but send out career missionaries. Now, some people might look around the room and say, you know, I don't see that happening here. Or they might say, that's kind of next to impossible. But you guys, if Jesus is calling us to do something, he can make the impossible possible, right? If Jesus is saying, yes, you can do it, then who's to say, no, he can't? Let's do it. We can totally do it. Uh, I'll give you another example. I'll give you another example. I mean, we can talk like... We can talk for a long time about how this applies to us corporately. Let me, just, let me just ask you, how does this apply to you personally? <clears throat> so uh, it was several years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, his name is Jonathan Zinkai. He started this orphanage in India. It's about 25 people big. And then he was telling me on the phone that their major donor just dropped out. They need some money. They need a source of income. So I'm a good pastor. I'm hearing all this. You know what I did? I typed all these needs onto an email, and I just sent it out. I just passed it on. That's, that's what I do. And one of the people I passed it on to was Patrick. And so Patrick read the email, and he does what he does, which is he took that email, and he passed it on to his daughter. And so his daughter is reading this email about these orphans in India who are in need. He says, Dad, we got to do something about this. Now, how old was she? I think she was like 13 years old. Dad, we got to do something about this. What do you want to do? Well, let's fundraise. And so she goes to, I think, GoFundMe, and she, 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 um, she puts up this account, and they distribute it to all their friends and their family. And in a couple of months, they raise $15,000. She's 13 years old. They give it to this orphanage. They build this boarding home as a source of income. And then I think two years later, we went to go visit them on a short-term missions trip. Now, look, you were, you, I mean, if you didn't know any of this, and you're thinking, yeah, a 13-year-old um, building a boarding home, yeah, that's not going to happen. But if God calls you to do something, nothing's impossible. Let me think about the identity of Jesus and what if you lived every day. Like, okay, because of who Jesus is, and he can walk on water then what can we not do if he calls us to do something? What does that mean to this present moment? Wow. Wow. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Peter's like, hey, guys, hey, guys, did you know Jesus could do that? They're like, no, none of us did. Well, if he can do that, then what does this mean for this possible moment? What does it mean for this year? Oh, man, have you thought about that? What does that mean for you? Sometimes you just get stuck sitting in the boat. You know, like, oh, I've been here, like, for the last hour, straining at the oar, and I was here the hour before, I was here the, the first watch, and the second watch, and the, and the third watch, you know. But it's like, Jesus can do that, guys. Wow. What does that mean for the possibility, for the promise of this present moment? You go home, you're like, wow, Jesus can walk on water, I'm going to apply this. What does that mean for my life right now? 
Monday morning. It's a new day. Hold it. Who is Jesus again? Have you seen what he, have you seen what your Jesus can do? Have you seen? Well, if that Jesus is in your life, then what are the possibilities for this present Whoa, that's a dangerous way to think. That might change your whole 2018. That's why I couldn't skip this chapter. We are now in this year, we're thinking about possibilities. Yes, there's like a, a building search. Yes, we're looking for a staff search. We're going to talk about them in the town hall meeting. But have you seen what your Jesus can do? And what does that mean for this present moment? Wow. 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 Now, uh, I, I want you guys to just think about certain avenues and what this means. I, I, I wonder if there's some people here, you're kind of stuck somewhere. You, you're stuck somewhere in a boat, okay? Maybe it's a certain relationship. Maybe it's a spouse or a parent or a best friend. Maybe there's bitterness or lack of forgiveness or helplessness. And right now, as you have begun 2018, you're really actually doing nothing about it. You're not praying about it. You're not actually expecting this to change. And can I just ask you, you guys, have you seen what your Jesus can do? Do you know who he is? Oh, man, if you knew who he is and you saw and you see what he can do, then he can change that. It's in his power. He can change that. Maybe some of you have given up sharing your faith with someone you care about. You know, because it's like, you know, I've tried, and, and there's just no movement. It's been years. Yeah, but guys, have you seen what your Jesus can do? Maybe the word for you is don't give up. Don't give up. Have you seen what your Jesus can do? Maybe, um, maybe some of you, as soon as you leave, um, you're going to call someone up on the phone. Be like, man, I haven't talked to this person for ages. It's going to be weird. Yeah, but have you seen what your Jesus can do? Jesus, if you're calling me to and there's going to be reconciliation, I'll make that call right away. I don't have a day to lose. Have you seen what Jesus can do? Uh, what, about, what about this one? I, I, there, was a, there was a man that I know, kind of an empty nester, then his last kid left for, for, for college, and he was kind of in this... You know, like um, his relationship with his spouse had kind of grown cold. And so we were just talking. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? Let's just make a deal. How about every day you do one thing for your wife that's just completely selfless and you don't tell her about it? You know, like she's doing the laundry she, and then you just kind of sneak in and you fold some clothes and then you sneak out, right? And he said, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Now, by the way, he said he was, I didn't say I was going to do it. He said he was going to do that. But anyways, so he said he was going to do that. Now, I'm just thinking that if Jesus is this water walker and we apply his identity to this present moment, you can do stuff like that. You can start something new because have you seen what your Jesus can do? What are the possibilities of this present moment? What are the possibilities for you? What are the possibilities for us? Because, guys, have you seen what our Jesus can do? Have you seen what our Jesus can do? All right. Well, let's keep on going with the story. Um, there is something about this next part that kind of puzzles me. 
And I, I thought I'm just going to uh, talk it through with you. Um, don't know if it's ever puzzled you, but this started in verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, one word, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Okay, here's my question. Why did Peter sink? You guys ever think about that? Why did he sink? I know. You're like, because he doubted. But come on. think. Why would he doubt? Jesus is walking on water right in front of him. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like, why would you... They don't make any sense. So I, I would like to know why Peter doubted. Any ideas? The wind. Oh, I wasn't expecting someone to actually answer that. Thank you. The wind. Yeah, I'm going to blow that up a little bit. I thought we might have a little fun and just act it out. Okay? Maybe if we act it out, what is kind of clear is going to become even more clear. Okay? So um, I'll, I'll take the heat off of you. I'll be Peter, but one of you has to be Jesus. Okay? All right. There we go. Um, Alvin, you're probably where Jesus would be. Can you just stand up? You're a tall guy. Um, I'm going to do this quick. I'm not going to belabor this point, but I just want you to visualize it. Okay. You guys feel? You guys feel it? All right. I, I want you to pretend that this is the boat right here behind me on the stage, right? Uh, I'm Peter. I want you to see 11 faces. You guys see 11 faces right here? Okay, and there's Jesus. Now, so this is interaction where we weren't expecting it. One of them cried out, it's a ghost, right? And then, and then, and then Jesus says, um, take heart. And he says, it's me, it is I. And then he says, don't be afraid, right? Now, I'm Peter right here. I'm looking at all this, right? One man has the audacity to make the connections. I make the connections. And I go, Jesus, if it is you, call me out on the water to be with you. Okay, and then Peter, and then Jesus says one word, and he says, Alvin, thank you. <laughs> he got some help. Okay, now, this is the moment. This is the moment, okay? Now, I just want to illustrate this. Um, Peter, what he does now is he takes that first step. I want you to imagine that first step. I never thought of that first step. He's taking that first step. I don't know how you do it, but I think you probably are going to do a little bit of dipping. You know, just want to see what's going on here. And what he finds out is that it's solid. Wow, okay, that is cool, right? And then you put the, the other leg here, and that's solid too. And then at this moment, for the first time in human history, an ordinary person is walking on water, all right? Now, I just want you to imagine this moment. This is a very nice moment. I'm, now, what would you do if you're Peter? You're looking at Jesus like, right? And then what do you do next? You look at your friends, you go, look at me, right? Come on, right? You would, okay, I would do that, right? Look at me, right? Woohoo, right? Now, the text says, um, and now you can sit down. I know it's a little bit weird to stand up in front. So, the, the, the text says that he saw the wind, which is weird. I don't know. How do you see wind? Well, what sort of thing does wind produce that you can see? Okay, a wave. So, I want you to imagine to the, to the to wall, there's this swelling. There's an unusually large swelling, and it's coming my way. And I'm looking at that swelling, I'm, <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking a little bit ahead, that swelling is coming right to me. And now the wave is saying something to me. I'm coming towards you, and I'm going to take you down with me. Now I feel afraid. Now I'm starting to sink. Okay, stop. What did I do wrong? Well, my eyes were on the wave when they should have been on Jesus. Is that why Peter sank? Because his eyes were on the wave, and they weren't on Jesus. 
Now, what happens if I'm looking at the wave? I'm looking at the wave. I'm believing in the wave. I'm putting my faith in the wave. I feel afraid. I start to sink. Isn't that the lesson of this story? It's like Jesus saying, you, you guys, eyes off of the wave. Eyes on me. Have you thought about what Jesus is going to do to you? A lot of times you're thinking about, oh, what is that wave going to do to me? Have you thought about what Jesus is going to do through you? I mean, you're not, you're not even actually able to stand unless it was Jesus. Where are your eyes? Now, what you focus on is actually what you start believing in. And so what we learn from this is, number one, your faith is as strong as the object of your faith. The object of my faith could be the wave, and I'm going to sink in life. But if the object of my faith is on Jesus, I'm going to stand and do what he has called me to do that I couldn't possibly do by myself. And also says one more thing, your faith is as strong as what you focus on. So what do you guys focus on? It's like faith is a noun, it's on Jesus. But faith is also a verb. What are you focusing on? Because what you're focusing on, you're going to believe. And what you believe is either going to cause you to do the impossible or it's going to call you to sink. Max Lucado has a great acronym for facing the winds of anxiety, and it spells the word, it's not actually, it's not an acronym. I checked that this morning. It's an acrostic. But it spells the word calm. C-A-L-M, because I, I want you guys to have some sort of takeaway for today, like on Monday morning or on Tuesday when you feel like a wave of anxiety. I want you to remember C-A-L-M. C stands for celebrate God. Now, celebrate means your, your eyes are upon Jesus. In this passage, you would be thinking about and worshiping he who can walk on water and do the impossible. I want you to imagine on Monday morning... You're reading your scripture, you identify one amazing attribute of God, and you just worship God for that attribute. Jesus, you can walk on water. There's nothing you can't do. Wow, have you seen what my Jesus can do? Wow, that's celebrating God. Okay, let's keep on going. A is for ask him for help. Every time there is a wave, you say, help Jesus. You know, Peter does something right. He does two things right. Number one, he makes that connection that the identity of Jesus applies to this present moment. And number two, he says, Jesus, save me. Why couldn't he actually say it the moment that he stepped over the boat? Jesus, save me. I can't do this without you. Every step, Jesus, I'm doing this because of you. Eyes on Jesus, asking him for help. Sometimes we only ask him for help once we start sinking. That's fine. That's very natural. That makes sense. But you know, you can ask him for help the very first step out of the boat. The very first step on the way to work. The very first step on the way to school. Jesus, I am not going to be the person you've called me to do, be or do the things you've called me to do unless you help me. Help me. How about being proactive about help? L is leave your problem with Jesus. Leave your problem with Jesus. The problems keep coming back. But if you actually decisively pray, ask for help, and go, I'm leaving this with Jesus, then you can remind yourself, you know something, that wave, I left it at the feet of Jesus. I mean, you can say, you know, that wave is terrifying, but how much more terrifying is Jesus? That wave is formidable. Jesus is more formidable. And I left that wave at his feet. I'm leaving it at the feet of Jesus. M is meditate. 
you can fill your day with thoughts about God. You can, you know, who is Jesus and what does that mean for this present moment right now in class? Who is Jesus and what does this mean for this moment right now at lunch at work? Who is Jesus and what does that mean for the possibility of our church and what God is going to do? Woo! That's how you think. And it comes from meditating. Remember, eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. And here's the thing. The more you keep your eyes on Jesus, the bigger he gets. Now, I know that's weird. Sounds really subjective, but it's not like that. It's like, the truth is, Jesus is like the Empire State Building. And the more we understand who he is, we realize who he really is and how big he really is. Uh, let me put it like this. Um, in C.S. Lewis's Prince Caspian, one of the children comes up to Aslan, who, Aslan, who is the Christ figure in the Narnia stories, after not seeing him for a long time. She goes, Aslan, you're bigger. He says... That is because you're older, little one, he, he answered. Not because you are? I'm not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Isn't that true? Meditating on who Jesus is. Well, he just gets bigger and bigger, and the wave gets smaller and smaller. It's not a Jedi mind trick, it's reality. Really, it's a matter of how focused are you on reality. I bet you there's a lot of people here who feel like your faith in Jesus is pretty small. You feel like the wave is pretty big. Maybe you feel like there's no hope for you. I have such little faith. Maybe that's you. You're like, I have such little faith. There's a wonderful thing that happens. Peter cries out to Jesus and he says, Lord, save me. And the text is that Jesus immediately reaches out his hand. It's a picture of grace. Immediately reaches out his hand. Jesus is always ready to save. Jesus is always ready to save. I think the implication here is you don't have to be a person of big faith to do incredible things. You need to be obedient. You take that step off the boat and you keep your eyes on Jesus. And right at that first abuse, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. I can't make any of these steps without you. And Jesus is ready to save you. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. That might be the best verse right there. Truly you are the Son of God. But let me ask you, why are they worshipping Jesus right now? Well, you go, well, because he walked on water. Yeah, but there was more that happened. Remember the whole thing with Jesus? And he applied it to the present moment, and he took away, and then he started sinking, and Jesus reached So what are they worshipping Jesus for? And I would say, yes, all of it. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, don't you see, if you are a person who applies the identity of Jesus into your present moment, and you take the risks that he's calling you to take, you probably will sink. And Jesus will save you every time. And people will see the Jesus saving you in your life, and they will go, wow, what a savior. Are you willing to do that? Don't you want to live a life where you step out and it's like, there's no way I could possibly do any of this if it were not for Jesus. And then the broken moments you sink and Jesus saves you and you share that story and people go, wow, 
I want that Jesus in my life. This is the God that we worship. He is a water walker, and he's one who reaches out and saves. Jesus saves. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for the grace that's in this passage. I thank you for Jesus who walks on the water and reaches out his hands to save us. I thank you, Lord, that there is no wave that is bigger than you. The most terrifying in this thing in this passage is not the wave and it's not the wind. It is Jesus Christ who walks on water and defies everything that's natural because of his supernatural presence. Jesus, help us to live each day with this confidence. Have you seen my Jesus? Have you seen what he can do? There is nothing that can hold him back. There is nothing that can stop him. And when he says, go and do this, help us to have courage in that moment. Because nothing's impossible with you. In Jesus' name we pray.